Welcome back to the Natural Solutions Podcast. Today, I'm here with Monica Puntarello, and Monica um, is an organizer. So I'm going to ask her to explain a little bit about what she does, how she got to this position, and why organizing your life is so important. So I'm going to open it up now to Monica to explain where she comes from um, and how she got here. So Monica, what got you into organizing? And tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. So I have always been drawn to organizing and cleaning too. One of my early memories, it's from when I was about seven years old. And instead of playing with toys, I would take everything out from the wardrobe and refold it in a new fashion. I just liked it. I, I don't know why. And then around nine to 10 years old, I would look forward to Saturdays because Saturday was cleaning day and I was helping with the cleaning, especially with my room. And I was doing a pretty good job to be only nine to 10 years old. And then five years ago, I started my own professional and organizing um, and decluttering business in London. I sort you out. And I started working with people with hoarding tendencies. So I would team up with a team of psychologists and uh, health and safety um, team. And we would go to people's house and help them declutter and leave with, with less around them because... There was like hoarding tendencies at different levels. So we're talking as well about fire hazards or people who wouldn't be able to open the door into a room. So you need a team to help them. But we also help just other kinds of people to organize their space, the wardrobe, the kitchen, just organize better spaces in the house. Then I moved to Portugal um, two years ago and I kind of stopped because I was a little bit scared of the market here. So I was doing another job, an office job that really didn't make me happy. So after a really long um, thought, I, I realized that I needed to declutter as well something of my life that was not a wardrobe or a drawer, but it was actually this big um thing just work <laughs> just something that you do every day all day just a tiny little thing that occupies all day of your life <laughs> and so recently I just tried to take control of my space and um, I started again to work uh, full-time on my business and taking care of it and I'm very very happy again <laughs> Well, you've given us a lot to unpack there and some other questions that I have for you. Um, so you mentioned the kind of organization that you did back when you were living in London and when you first started. And honestly, I had never heard of the concept of having basically a team to work with people who actually have hoarding tendencies. And that makes complete sense. Um, how did you go down that direction in particular? So I I have always been drawn as well to psychology, but unfortunately, I chose a different kind of university career. I studied literature, Russian literature, which was amazing back then. But then it led me to a career of in business, in business development, in sales and marketing, which really didn't reflect myself. So I sat down five years ago and I really understood that I really needed to, to declutter all this big chunk of my life 
And I wrote down, actually, like on a piece of paper, what I really like to do. I like cleaning, I like tidy up, I like helping people, I like supporting people. And then I started to do some research and found out that hoarding tendencies in the UK is actually a pathology. So there is actually, it's actually recognized by doctors. So people get referred by a GP uh, from the NHS and uh, you can actually go there and help. So the doctor can call you, can refer, refer you patients. So I started to be part of the association of APTO, Association of Professional Declutters and Organizers in the UK. And I did some courses as well about helping people with hoarding tendencies, hoarding behaviors. And then I got into meet all these other people and um, as part of the course as well you need to uh, to team up with health and safety and psychologists and therapies and go to people's house and help them and it's it's another word people can hoard all sorts of things from yogurt pots to newspapers from since ever since the 80s because they thinks they think that um, they think that um, they need to hold into information in order to feel safe, as well as maybe their partners um, is passed away, has passed away. So they need to hold on everything that they own just because they feel safe. So um, basically, people use clutter items. I usually I don't like to call clutter because it's their stuff, and I respect that. But usually people tend to own, possess items, things, just because they feel safe. So they create a wall around them with their things and they hold onto them because they feel protected by them. But actually, we go there and we help them realizing that these things can actually take energy out of them instead of helping and protecting them. It's just things. It's just inanimate objects that they don't use and they don't need but what they do need is to live in a clutter-free and more clean and not organized space because I personally truly believe that an organized environment a cleaner environment around you can help your mind to be clearer and more happy and maybe after uh, lots of um, self-consideration, I thought that maybe for me personally, it was the opposite. Maybe I was feeling cluttered inside and I really needed have to have everything super spotless, clean and organized around me to feel better inside. So it's actually how you feel. Okay, so yeah, you touched on some really important points there, and I'd kind of like to dig into one that you mentioned was, um, it was kind of like the triggers or the origins of why people start hoarding, and you mentioned possibly like a death in the family, um, or holding on to information for other reasons to feel safe, Um, and although it's that person's stuff, it does make them feel safe, so what, what are like some of the steps that you have to go through to start unwinding that thought in the person that if they don't have that stuff, they're not going to be safe. First of all, the person, the first step is to want to do it. The person needs to be aware that we are going to start decluttering and start to 
get rid of a little bit of stuff around them. So first of all, I need to make sure when I work with those, uh, with people with this tendency, I really have to make sure that they are ready to let go. Once they're ready, so most of the time, uh, for example, I'm going to London next month to work with, um, with one client with this kind of tendency. And most of the time they are referred by family members or again, the GP, because this leads to other um, pathology that they might have, depression or you know, motor skills and stuff like that. So um, the family members usually push them to look for a professional organizer. So first of all, I make sure that they are ready to let go. And they tell them that I'm not a skip. I'm not going there with a massive container, metal container to get rid of everything. I'm going there to help them. I'm going there to let them leave a little bit better to let the light come through the windows. And if the light comes through the windows, they're gonna see better, they're gonna breathe better, they're gonna be more healthy. So I'm going to be there to support and we start, we can start with categories as Marie Kondo says, or we can start with little tasks as I actually, um, that's my, with those kind of um, clients, it's more my, my starting point. Instead then doing a whole category of clothes, or books, paperwork, and so on, we start with little tasks. For example, the table. Think about with the clutter all your things on the table and you can have a meal here instead of having a meal on your knees. So little by little, we take an object, we analyze the object. And so do you really want it? Do you really need it? How, when, when was the last time you used it? And then of course, it comes out of lots of Pandora boxes on them because then everything is has a sentimental value and I absolutely understand. So I usually try to start with objects that, um, that, that look like less sentimental values. For example, I start from the paperwork on the table or I start with um, food or, um, because there is lots of pizza wrap, pizza boxes and yogurt, but there is lots of that. So we start with them and they usually are more prone to, to let go. And then I take any other object that anything can be of sentimental value and we analyze that but once they see a little bit of space around them and they are in the mood of let go they will be more prone to keep letting go the rest so um, it's a very delicate process so this is why sometimes we need to team up as well with psychologists and health and safety and um and yeah sometimes it's 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 very very hard it's very, very hard. But if they're ready to let go and they're happy to let go, then they will see the result the before and after pictures just for them to see the transformation. Um, they're usually much more happy and they live better. So what kind of resistance do you get from that particular client that you're working with? What? Yeah, generally speaking. Yeah, they, they, they usually they usually are afraid of letting go because they think that that object, as I, said, as I said before, can protect them or they really might need them in the future. And so you are there to let them understand that if they haven't used it, 
maybe they don't need it. If they need it, they can get another one later on. Also, for these kind of people, maybe you just don't actually get rid of everything. You see the space, you analyze the space. Maybe they have a storage room. So you start with like three boxes or three bags. Let go, donation. It can be rubbish, donation. We will see that later anyway. Let go, keep, or there are some things that they still want to hold for later. So, okay, little by little. We can hold on that. We can analyze this later. And then in the let go box, there can be subcategories. Something can be trash or something can be donation or something can be sold on different platforms. So I will support them as well with that. Because some people, one day I went to see a client who was an actress and she wore all sorts of beautiful, amazing costumes. She was an actress like back in the 40s in London theatres. So I imagine she had amazing costumes, beautiful dresses. She will also have a very, um, a very active social life. So she had all sorts of beautiful gowns, um, high-end brands as well. So people don't want to just donate or get rid of them. So you offer support on how to sell them, how to store them, which kind of um. um containers or plastic box or hangers to store them properly instead and just leave them on the um, rail of the rail stair, stair rail <laughs> so the banister <laughs> this is what it meant so um, all sorts of support how to donate recycle or for example people who have lots of um, VHS or cassette they don't want to throw them away. Okay, there are places in London, for example, where you can take them and recycle them. Or even here in Cascais, I found a little recycle point where you can recycle all sorts of things from crockery uh, to books as well, or uh, to electrodomestics, or um, what was the other thing? Um, cork, different kind of things. They usually use cassette as well. They usually don't know where to bring them. So I also offer support in that because people really, they spend lots of money buying things, hard earned money. So they always think like it's important for them to know that their things will have another life or will be recycled or will be taken care of. So I'm there as well to help them and let them understand that we are going to take care of the things. We are not throwing them away and we will do it gradually, little by little. Right. A little task at a time. Right. So it sounds like, you know, even if it's difficult for people to get rid of things, the way you do it is sounds very categorized. So you mentioned things like uh, to throw away, to hold on to for later <laughs> and to keep. Um, so I want to kind of transition into maybe people who don't have a hoarding pathology um, and what kind of tips I mean do you give to uh just the everyday person who might have a lot of stuff stored but not so much um with an underlying uh, psychological um, or emotional issue um what, what are some and basic tips that you might start out with um in that case 
So yeah, there are just people who want to downsize for many reasons because they're moving out, they're moving in, they have different spaces in a new house. So just simply they don't want to own this much anymore for many other reasons, for whichever reason. So yeah, we can start with categories again. So for example, we go on to clothes first because it's usually what people have the most, clothes, accessories, and shoes. So we take everything together and... As Marie Kondo says, we give them the spark joy treatment. Does it spark joy anymore? Do you wear it? Have you wear it in the last um have you worn it in the last year? Yes or no? If not, as Marie Kondo said again, thank it and bye-bye. <laughs> thank you <laughs> for your service. <laughs> and and bye-bye. And you discard it uh, in, in many ways. So yeah, we start with the wardrobe, then we go on to books and paperwork. We can nowadays digitalize everything. So again, this can free up lots of space. And then we go into the kitchen and bathrooms, which again is place the kitchen where people can have lots of things. And then again, do you need three potato measures? No, you just need one. And if you need another one, one day you go to the supermarket and you will buy another one. And this frees as well lots of space. And then you go into sentimental stuff again as a last category to deal with because it's the most difficult one. And once you have seen more space around you, it's going to be easier for you to, to let go. Um, usually I work as well, not just with organizing spaces, but repurposing space. So um, in Portugal, I have had lots of clients that call me to repurpose their rooms. So for example, I had a client who had, um, she's a teacher, she used the living room to teach and she didn't have a living room anymore. So we created a system. We bought a big wardrobe with special shelves from Ikea and the wardrobe inside were would store all her teaching supplies all children's files and then she had again the control of the living room on the table of the space of the chairs so when she teaches she opens all the cabinets that becomes the blackboard the whiteboard and then the files and then all the stationaries and then she takes everything out on the table and when the teaching day is done she puts everything back and then she looks around it it's just a wardrobe and she has the living room again and she can have dinner there and she can um, wind down and relax. Or another um, client who had a um, second room, as she, were, she was using it as a laundry room, a studio for working, a painting room, and she really didn't like it. It would make her feel stressed to have all this. So again, we created inside our empty wardrobe, we moved things around and we created a laundry space down there with some shelves and a hook for the iron and a little iron board and the hangers for the clothes that needed to be ironed. And then she freed lots of space to have canvases and aces for painting. And now she's happy because she just has a creativity and painting room. Or again, another room that was a guest room and a studio and now has been became a kid's room. So repurposing spaces and as well something that people usually tend to have they usually tend to put things above the kitchen above any shelving system and these you really don't realize how this can really take your energy so three the categories as as I, as I said as i said before the clothes the kitchen the books but also around you 
visualize and just clear all the things that are above you because they can really overtake your energy and your daily space so if you start freeing everything from above that you find a space for them or you just donate them or um, get rid of them because if they've been above the kitchen you haven't touched them and used them in a really long time maybe you don't need them so so those those points those points are very 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 important like just to kind of recap what you said especially starting with the clothing first moving on to say books and things like that moving on to different spaces and then going into the sentimental items and that kind of stuff but going back to the clothing part is really interesting. Um, what, and I don't, I mean, we like to go shopping. We like to buy things for ourselves. We never feel satisfied, whatever. There's emotional attachments to that kind of stuff. Um, but with, with clothing and things, I could be whatever the person is into that they might have a lot of for whatever reason. Um, do you give tips to people on on future purchases that they might make and uh, that kind of thing because that's an interesting area that I've never really heard about before yes I always try to help people to let them understand that it's better to buy less and like to quant quality over quantity so buy less better quality instead than buy lots of things um, of a little bit less good quality. Why? Because I'm also in the process of writing a book, which is called um, um, I Have Nothing to Wear, which actually <laughs> talks about a capsule wardrobe, but not a capsule wardrobe in the sense like super strict rule, you have to have 33 items or 50 items or there are these capsule wardrobe with 100 items, including underwear and including shoes and um, outwear and coats and jackets. No, this is not what I'm trying to tell. What I'm trying to tell is to reanalyze your wardrobe, really see what actually fits you, what makes you feel good. It can be just a white t-shirt or a beautiful dress for occasion. And... Um, what actually reflects as well your life now, because maybe before you were in your 20s and you were wearing these skinny jeans and this sparkling top, and now you're a busy mom with four kids. And yeah, you do need sometimes things to feel beautiful and good, but you don't need 10 of those. You maybe need two or three beautiful ones that actually fit you very well. So I need um, my client to... Um, reflect to, to think about their lifestyle the current body shape what's actually good for them what fits them the colors that they usually wear so you can also mix and match a lot and then you can create a wardrobe with what you have first and then you can buy other pieces basic pieces to to adapt and um, you don't have to count them because you just are usually and to have what they wear, what they like, what they fit. But also you need to um, understand your space. You also need to take into consideration um, the space that you actually have. 
the number like 33 items or 50 items or 30 books as Marie says only have 30 books it's an arbitrary number and doesn't take in account the situation of each individual maybe you have a big wardrobe right and you have space to keep everything maybe you have a walking wardrobe doesn't mean that you have to own all these things that you have because you have space just own what actually makes you feel good in that clothing uh, or maybe you don't have space so readjust with the space that you have because really you don't need this many things this leads as well to another topic and the fast fashion i absolutely understand we always been we have always been to zara it's lovely sure. right and i don't want to start a politic <laughs> talk about <laughs> sure, that sure, sure. but of course buying 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 this cute little dress that you wear it once and then for another for some reason it's like magic once you wear this dress the first time it looks amazing and you feel like really cute and then another time you wear it i don't know what happened but for some reason it doesn't fit anymore you don't like it anymore there is a little ball and a little fluff and something that doesn't make you feel like you're good anymore so this is why i push clients to buy a little bit good quality and really think at the material at the fabric before actually purchasing it and also apply for me i apply this important rule one item comes in one item goes out so again the capsule wardrobe is great but we all want to buy a new spring dress. Let's face it. I don't want to be straight. I want to be realistic. I do like shopping. I'm not just a, a minimalist and I just have five dresses in beige and black and that's it. I do like that flowery new little dress and I want to buy it. But before buying it, I make sure there's something that I really don't like it anymore, doesn't fit me anymore, goes away. And then I buy something new. And maybe I cannot afford to buy a very very good quality but there are lots of brand lots if you do some research online lots of in between that have cost effective but a little bit but better quality and they should last a little well, bit longer that's interesting that you mentioned that because this year what i've done in my family is i don't buy new things anymore i've been buying everything secondhand um so it's been working out and we're enjoying it. Sometimes things aren't the right size, you know, but it's okay. <laughs> but usually it works out. So that's that's one way that I found interesting to repurpose clothing, for example. Absolutely. There is Vinted, which is great. Actually, my brother got me from Vinted this amazing Max Mara jacket and, um, and, and skirt in pure wool 100% Italian wool from the 90s I feel like the movie Clueless yes it's very 90s the yes. the cut and the style and it's so good it's second hand and I have a Max Mara outfit that maybe I never had before <laughs> <laughs> but also I have been organizing lots of swap events Okay. I actually organized two here in Cascais. It's so in great. London. In my previous life in London, I did organize them a lot. And here in Cascais, I organized one in November, just women's clothes. Mm. We had a massive, great turnout of over 100 people. And at a certain point, there were clothes everywhere. So I got some ropes and lots of hangers and pegs. And they were everywhere here, the venue where I mm, organized that. 
and well, like thousands, seriously, thousands of clothes, good stuff. There okay. were good clothes and everybody was so happy. It was an afternoon of women, no children around, just women to shop for free. So they would bring a few items and I would give in exchange some pasta tokens where they could buy <laughs> uh, some new items in exchange so without spending any money and saving the environment all these items have been repurposed because something they maybe don't like anymore can be a gem for someone else and then actually last Saturday so three days ago I organized one for children it was the oh. first time I did one for children oh. it was children toys books and clothes and uh, there were less people fortunately there were about 30 people and 30 children <laughs> mm. And um, the children played there. There were lots of toys there to play. They didn't understand that they actually could choose one and uh, take it at yeah. first. They thought they were just there to play, but then they understand. They understood that they could actually take it. And lots of books, different languages, and people were just there reading books. Oh, can I take this? Of course you can. And lots of new, beautiful dresses. Imagine the girls with just nice it was a ladybird dress a princess dress and they were so happy to take it or shoes or also accessories for babies like uh, towels um, and stuff for feeding babies this newborn stuff so and most of the children items they're basically new yeah lots of clothes with tags still yeah. So you go home really with a beautiful, nice dress. There was a, a little girl who found a beautiful cotton blue Armani dress and with tags. And she was really, really happy. Oh, oh mommy, can I take that? So mommy says, oh, of course you can. Of course. I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's really saved a big chunk of the environment. And all unwanted items, because then I, for both events, I end up with a big bag of all the items that haven't been swapped. Yeah. So the first time I took them to the um, women's volunteering, so they sell the items for um, charity purposes. And the children ones, I will take them tomorrow actually to the Lisbon project because they really need lots of clothes and um, they will donate them to refugees. And So you got to meet Gabby then and uh, her husband Ruben? Uh, it, it will be the first time I will go there. But... Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is yes, Because it's the first time I work with children's swap. And okay. it was a really, really great. It was like a massive play date. It was a massive party for them. Mm -hmm. And they all got to go home with new toys, new books, and new clothes for free. Amazing. So you just gave some really good ideas there, like shopping on Vinted. I know it's more of a European thing. Um also doing these clothing swaps but the fact that you organize them is really really awesome so i think in the future but you can also organize one with your friends you just collect sure. a bunch of friends at home i used to do that in london with friends and colleagues so like 10 to 12 people you organize a little tea party you offer some tea a beer some chips and popcorns and biscuits and then everybody brings i don't know like 10 items and you just do it at home as well that's yeah also great and stress-free and fun yeah i know it sounds fantastic and right now is kind of that season because of spring cleaning so it's a it's exactly a yeah well just a few roundup questions for you um i just want to you've mentioned recondo a few times 
Um, and I know she was kind of the guru a few years ago when she came out on, on television with that program and her books and that kind of stuff. Um, but I also, we know, we talked a little bit also, or you mentioned briefly minimalism. Um, and, you know, you also can talk about things like feng shui and the things that take your energy from you. And it feels like the minimalist movement can be really extreme in some ways, but at the same time, you can implement some of that to uh, increase your energy. So tell me a little bit about your opinion on that. So Marie Kondo, for example, to begin with her, she was great to um, start the awareness of this profession because before, apart from the US, in the US, being a professional organizer is a big thing because probably they have big spaces and people do need help with organizing them. But here in Europe, before Marie Kondo spread the word, it was not a thing. No one knew about that. So I really thank her for um, raising the awareness of, of this profession. But also she can be a little extreme for my taste, as well as minimalism. As I mentioned before, for her, people should know all more than 30 books, but this cannot be a rule because maybe you're a professor. Maybe you need to have lots of books. Maybe you have a beautiful, big, uh, wall-mounted bookcase. There is nothing bad in displaying books that you actually love and you read that you need. Or, or maybe you don't have any. So maybe instead of 30, you can even have five books. So don't restrict yourself to a number, as well as minimalism. Don't restrict yourself to have five dresses because maybe you are a socialite and you really need to have lots of dresses and you use them actually. Or you work every day in an office and you have lots of meetings and you need to wear different kinds of things and you want them and you like them. So reflect your lifestyle and the space that you have. Each individual has different needs and different space. So don't read a manual. Don't read a book that says that you have to have this certain amount of things because this is not what I think is organizing and decluttering. This is just maybe a tendency, a fashion, or some people want to market themselves this way and they just say that you have to have 30 of something. But no, what they really think is, is to analyze your space. You want to have 100 pairs of shoes? Fine. Okay, you wear them, you like them, they make you feel happy. You spend lots of money on them. Okay, let's find a space. Maybe you don't need to put them there. Maybe we need to move around, things around, repurpose, upcycle, and see what can be moved around the house. This is what I really like to do. Before going to IKEA, before buying all sorts of boxes and all sorts of things that you need to organize stuff with, see what you have around the house. Maybe this box is full of things that you don't need. Okay, let's take it and let's put your beautiful shoes in there mm -hmm. and just move around and uh, think about your lifestyle, what really is. And then you can start counting the items, but don't, don't restrict yourself to, to a number. And minimalism is the same. I also, I, I don't like to, to buy or to own because I really think that the less you have, the better it is to clean, to organize, to move in, to move out, and to move on as well from, from your own personal yeah. internal situation or whatever it is. 
So of course I also do ten just to to be a careful buyer and to let go. I let go easily. I I'm I'm lucky. <laughs> I don't have way. any problem. I know it's it's not easy for everyone. For me, it is fine. But if I want something, if I want to buy something, if I like something, I think I'm gonna use it. I'm not going to restrict myself because you also need to enjoy and be happy. <laughs> All right. So just to kind of round it up here, um, the the things that you just said at the end, I think were really important. You know, don't limit yourself to a certain number of things. Take a look at your space first before you start going to buy like organizing boxes or whatever. Exactly. Right. And see how you can reorganize things. Um, and, you know, be a conscious buyer, obviously, when it comes to like clothing or, or whatever. Um, and I like the whole idea of one thing in, one thing out. Um, that's very, very important, definitely. So, yeah, I think that you've kind of touched on so many different levels, not just on the physicality of things, but also on a mental and an emotional level of how decluttering uh, your space can also help declutter your insides, <laughs> you know. And I think it's absolutely connected. Amazing, amazing. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time uh, with me right now on this podcast. And I also want people to know where they can find you. I know you have an amazing website, I sort you out. So um, <laughs> is it I sort you Yes, I sort you And also, I'm trying to build up my Instagram. I'm not very good with social media. So <laughs> <laughs> forgive me. All the mistakes I make, <laughs> all the I'm, all the clutter <laughs> that is in there. I'm getting there little by little. I'm a, a practical person. I like to go in the field and work, but I absolutely know that social media is very important and I'm working on it. I'm studying and I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get better. I promise. Oh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. It's very so difficult. It's a very competitive market. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting market, especially like you said, and the social media part can be another thing that clutters your life, unfortunately. Um, I mean, but that's the way we do marketing nowadays. Um, yeah, it's interesting, uh, as you said. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a lot of controversy with it, but, you know, we have to be out there and on there and on these platforms. So everyone, you can find Monica on iStartYouOut.com and Instagram also. Um, same name and um, Monica I think people don't know but you're actually Italian aren't you I am very Italian I'm from Sicily <laughs> <laughs> so she'll be after you and she'll send her mob bosses after you if you don't organize your space <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for your time Monica and, thank you um, thank you Maya and, and for sharing your